by Football Daily, the audio accompaniment to our coverage. For Fan Nation and uh, Sports Illustrated Media Group, hope everybody had a great weekend. Hope everybody enjoyed the games. As we uh, get ready for week 11 of the college football season, talking some MAG football today. One episode dedicated entirely to what's going on in those two division races, and specifically with the division leaders in the West and the East, talking some Toledo and talking some Miami Redhawks. Figured it wouldn't be beneficial to just have me yapping about those two teams. Uh, so brought in some help. I'm going to have two uh, longer Q&A segments for you today. Uh, first, we're going to hear from uh, Kyle Rowland of the Toledo Blade and uh, does doesn't just cover the Rockets, covers uh, college sports in general up there. Seen him do some Big Ten stuff, seen him do uh, quite a few different things, but great follow, great content from him. You'll hear where you can follow his stuff uh, later in the show, but uh, that's going to be our first segment on the show. You're going to hear what we're going to expect from Daquan Finn, Jason Candle, and the rest of that team as they look to defend the MAC title. And, uh, and then you're going to have some, uh, some youth, Jack Schmelzinger. He is the sports editor for the Miami Student. Uh, of course, it is what it sounds. Uh, Miami Student Media there in Oxford, Ohio, covering the Red Hawks and everything that program has been doing the last couple of years. Great kid, does a great job. Great follow if you're interested in the Red Hawks and what they're up to. But specifically, Avion Smith leading that team now under Chuck Martin. Have a real shot to win the East. Just uh, have a slim margin for error. Can't really make any mistakes moving forward. But based on what we saw out of uh, out of them against Ohio a couple of weeks ago, very real shot to get to the MAC title game and uh, give Toledo a run for their money. But certainly not going to be easy. But we're going to hear from him and what he expects from the Miami Redhawks in the last few weeks of the season. So, you know, thank you all so much for checking us out. And uh, with that, let's let's jump into the show. Let's jump into our first segment with Kyle Rowland of the Toledo Blade. So, Kyle, uh, another busy week for the MAC, uh, specifically on the Toledo side, 8-1, and one, leading the West Division once again. And, uh, of course, how could we forget they had the uh, the big run to the MAC title last season as well. If, if you can put your finger on it, what's something that's uh, particularly improved when you compare this year's team to last? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I guess the obvious thing that jumps out, especially because of last week's game against Buffalo, is special teams. Uh, Toledo was very sloppy on special teams a year ago. Um, I mean, some people rated them the worst in the country, and now they're up there, you know, in the 20s and the 30s. Uh, so that's a huge thing that, that really can swing games. I mean, you can win and lose multiple games a year because of special teams, and, and it just impacts other parts of, of the uh, team, uh, particular games. Um, but I mean, when you look at offense and defense, I mean, Toledo's defense this year 
maybe they don't have as many disruptors up front, but the secondary is just absolutely rock solid. I mean, cornerback safeties across the board, just really high level, good players. I mean, you can make the case that all those guys should be first team all Mac. I mean, I'm sure it won't work out that way, um, but I think you can make a pretty good case for it. Um, offensively, I mean, the offensive line has improved tremendously uh, from last year to this year. Uh, the run game's really good. Obviously, there's a little bit of questions about uh, fumbling the football. Um, Got to get that cleaned up. But overall, I mean, I just think they've kind of incrementally gotten a little bit better at at most places and significantly as special teams. If this team has an Achilles heel right now, what do you think that is? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good one. Somewhat of it is dependent on their opponent. Um, I mean, I, I guess turnovers or bad, bad turnovers, maybe. I mean, Daquan Finn, no doubt is a difference maker at quarterback. I mean, he's just so dynamic and, his running ability really helps Toledo out, you know, much more than it hurts him. But I mean, he does throw interceptions. He's prone to bad interceptions. Not that there's necessarily anything, any a such thing as a good interception, but his bad ones are, are pretty bad. Um, so, I mean, I guess that would be the most um, at times their defense has been gashed for runs, but They've improved on that here in recent weeks. Um, so, I mean, the real answer, I don't think there's like a glaring weakness or a huge Achilles heel, but if it's anything, it's it's turnovers and inopportune turnovers. It certainly makes sense. Looking at the last three weeks of the season for Toledo coming up here, they have Eastern Michigan on the 8th and then at Bowling Green on the 14th, big rivalry uh, matchup there, and then – uh, Thanksgiving weekend, they're at Central Michigan. Any of those matchups uh, give you pause in thinking that uh, they won't finish up this conference slate undefeated? Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick, I mean, obviously Toledo's going to be favored in all three games. Mm-hmm. I think they'll probably win all of them. I mean, if you just kind of go one by one through them, I mean, Eastern Michigan has played Toledo really, really well in recent years. Um, I think like five of their last six games have been decided by a, a single score. Um, Chris Creighton, I think, is very underrated coach. Eastern's been disappointing this year. So I, I expect Toledo to beat them fairly easily. It's a bad matchup for Eastern Michigan as well. Um, but I don't know. There's reason to believe that game could be close. You just never know in the MAC. Uh, and then you Bowling Green, obviously, rivalry game throughout the records. Bowling Green's beat them twice with Scott Leffler as pretty big underdogs. So there's a history there that it could happen, but the motivation factor for Bowling Green or for Toledo, I think is going to be off the charts because they lost to him last year. I mean, if they beat Eastern, they will be nine and one and they'll just have so much to play for. So I would not expect Toledo to take Bowling Green lightly at all. Uh, And then you get to central, which I think is going to be their toughest game. Um, It's on the road. It's the day after Thanksgiving the weather probably won't be great. I mean, that's just kind of a game. It'll be a horrible atmosphere. I think that's one of the underrated things in the MAC is games with bad atmospheres affect both teams, really. I mean, it's just really hard to kind of get up for it when there's not many people there. The weather stinks. 
Um, I don't think Central is horrible by any means either. They, they certainly haven't been great this year, but I think that's the toughest remaining game. But I mean, if Toledo just plays fine or slightly better than average, I, I think they should win all three of them. I, I want to come back to the atmosphere issues that that you mentioned, but uh, one thing that I think a lot of G five programs that that have success and have success in multiple gears is the issue of is this the time when our successful head coach maybe you know makes a pull for a power five job or or a higher paying opportunity something like that is that something that you know you found that the Toledo fan base or, or people close to the program are thinking about right now with the amount of success that uh, Jason Candles had with the Rockets the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, that's a good one. It's it's a great point, too. I mean, certainly you've seen that kind of stuff derail G5 seasons in the past, I think. Um, I'd say there's rumblings, there's murmurs. It's not, it's not a huge thing right now. It could become bigger, um, especially leading into, you know, the MAC title game because – that previous Monday, I assume, would be the day a lot of coaches maybe get fired, and then you have all these openings, and you that I don't know that that's just the time where I think it would happen. Um, so so far, it's not been a, a huge issue. Um, you know, week of the MAC title game, entering a bowl game, who knows? Um, I mean, Candle's been linked to some jobs here these last couple of years. Uh, most of the time, though, it's actually been after even the bowl games. It's been in January here, uh, whether it's been Miami offensive coordinator, Notre Dame offensive coordinator, um, the, the UCF job back when uh, um, Hypo got it. Candle was was considered to be a front runner for that. Uh, and that would have been in December, but that's been quite a while. So Toledo's kind of avoided the the musical chairs, you know, during a season here in recent years. You mentioned the that it's, sometimes it's tough for MAC programs to continue to you know build fan excitement and and create that that atmosphere that maybe schools in some of the warmer parts of the country would have. Um, during these colder months and, and that sort of thing. It also obviously has something to do with the holidays and, and that sort of thing as well. I, I guess in your mind, what are some things the Mac could potentially do to kind of combat that late season fatigue that, that we have seen um, just over the years with, with Mac football in November and October and in some cases, December. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, and solely because of the weather, I think, I mean, I mean, weeknight games are never good because, I mean, it significantly cuts down families. Um, and that's kind of a big part of the G5 draw, just because tickets are cheaper and it is kind of a better, you know, fan experience as opposed to going to like a packed 80,000, 100,000 seat stadium where you have a bunch of drunk people and just a rabid, rabid, you know, fan base and experience. But I don't know. I mean, I'm going to give you a bad answer because I really don't have a lot of answers. Um, I guess you got to get creative. Um, So much of it, I think, is weather dependent. I mean, you can have the coolest things in the world and kind of pull out all the stops. But if it's 25 or 35 degrees and it's windy or there's precipitation, I I just don't know if if you're going to get that many people show up regardless. Um, 
the ESPN factor, maybe that plays an impact. I, can, I mean, I don't think there's like thousands of people not going to the game because they can watch it on TV. But certainly, I mean, if you look at the weather forecast, it's like, yeah, I'll just sit in my living room and watch this one. Um, I mean, last week was the game was on Halloween, which is not a great date for anyone. Um, I mean, even if you're not a family, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like people want to pass out candy or whatever. And then there was a freak blizzard during warmups, which didn't help things either. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, it's a tough one. I mean, you, you somehow, I mean, Toledo last week had tents set up in the stadium with heating inside of it to try to entice people. I don't really know how much that does. Um, the product on the field, I guess, is another big thing. I mean, Toledo's good this year. Um, this is their final home game of the year against Eastern Michigan. The next two are on the road. So maybe you'll get people of like, oh, well, this is the last time I can see them. And they're eight and one. Uh, so we'll go support the hometown team. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really, really tough. I mean, Brian Blair, Toledo's AD, is, is definitely searching for ideas. Uh, one thing I saw over the weekend, uh, Wyoming, which I mean, Laramie, really cold place, high elevation. They turned their indoor football facility into kind of a fan experience entertainment mm -hmm. uh, complex for their games. Uh, I, mean, I think that seems like a good idea for, for any Mac schools, if, if you could kind of do that and maybe entice people to come during the week. But it's definitely something, I mean, it takes a lot of brainstorming uh, to figure out how to get people to go. And I mean, no one really has the answer because – I mean, if you look at Mac attendance the last 20 years during this weeknight November games, they're not very good. Coming up here with the uh, Mac championship, that's, of course, going to be in uh, the dome of Ford Field in Detroit there. Not too worried about right now Toledo making it back to that championship game, given the lead that they have on the West. And then over in the East, uh, Miami in control of their own destiny right now. Toledo, of course, beat Miami uh, on October 21st, 21 to 17. Uh, what's something that if they did end up playing the Red Hawks again, you would like to see Toledo do differently in order to uh, make that not a four-point game? Yeah, I mean, that was an interesting game because, I mean, Toledo just roared out to a 21 to 3 halftime lead. The offense was uh, played nearly flawless. I mean, as flawless as you could play. It was their best half of the season. And then the second half was the total opposite. I mean, they did nothing. I mean, very few first downs. I mean, the defense wasn't even bad. I mean, they only gave up 14 points in the second half. But, I mean, when your offense does nothing, it, it kind of puts you in a, a bad position where you just have to stop them every every drive. Um, and then the big thing is, is Gabbert's out for the season. I mean, he got hurt in that game uh, on, like, the final play of the third quarter or right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I forget exactly. Um, so that – changes everything really. I mean, you're, you're preparing for a somewhat different team. I mean, the backup's kind of a dual threat guy, um, pretty, pretty solid uh, quarterback. He was actually leading Miami to the potential game winning touchdown there at the end, but they had a turnover. Uh, so I, I think it would be a difficult game for Toledo um, just because, I mean, clearly, I mean, they had a close game the first time uh, Miami's a solid team. And, uh, you know, dynamic quarterbacks are always uh, difficult to stop. So I guess if there's one nagging thing, it'd be for the, the offense to play a, a full four-quarter game or, or at least three quarters. Makes sense. Given what Toledo's accomplished this season, you know, or if it's going to take 
a MAC championship in consecutive years to get to this point. I guess I'm curious. Do you think Toledo is at a point right now that they deserve to be ranked in in the college football playoff rankings that are going to come out this Tuesday? That's a good one. Uh, it's been a, a conversation amongst colleagues and, and people in town. Um, so my viewpoint on rankings, you use the word deserve, and I think that's a, a good way to put it. I mean, is Toledo one of the 25 best teams, you know, top to bottom on the roster and just – I mean, probably not. Uh, but when you're eight and one, you certainly deserve to be in the conversation, especially, I mean, your only loss is on the road at Illinois in the final seconds. Um, I I don't know. I, I don't think they should be ranked right now. Uh, but like once you get to nine and one, 10 and one, I mean, it, it's got to mean something. I mean, it's not it's not easy to to go through a season with, with one loss. I mean, conference games, no matter whether it's conference USA or the Mac, which obviously are kind of at the bottom of FBS or the big 10 and sec, which are at the top. I mean, all these teams know each other about everyone. They play each other every year. Um, I mean, it's not easy. You're playing road games. Uh, you're playing these weeknight games. I mean, it's, it's, it's an accomplishment to go, you know, unscathed in your conference or seven and one, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think they should start getting talk. Um, I mean, they're, they're definitely on the fringe of the new Year's six. Um, it, it helps them that James Madison is not eligible for that. Cause I think they're probably going to end up going undefeated. Uh, but Saturday was a huge day for Toledo with air force losing to army, um, especially getting clobbered. Cause you know, maybe even if they can go through the west, rest of the mountain West with one loss, I mean, the margin of victory to a, a bad army team this year. And then Toledo's against a, a big 10 team. I mean, maybe you give Toledo uh, the edge there, but I mean, Tulane's still up there. Fresno state is, is certainly uh, in the conversation. Uh, but I mean, if Toledo goes 12 and one and, and wins the Mac title, I mean, I think their name is definitely going to be, you know, talked about in that room. Kyle, before I let you go, do you want to let people know where they can keep up with your work? Yeah. Uh, so I'm on Twitter at Kyle Roland. It's just my name, K-Y-L-E-R-O-W-L-A-N-D. And uh, you can find all my uh, stories on Toledo football and other things uh, at ToledoBlade.com. Excellent. Kyle Roland, thank you so much for your time. And uh, hopefully we'll get to hear from you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. This was fun. Okay, Jack Schmelzinger, sports editor for the Miami Student. How are you doing today, sir? Not too bad, not too bad. Pretty sunny day here in Oxford. Just enjoying my Sunday. Lots of good football this weekend. How about you? Yeah, same, same. Enjoying some nice uh, weather in the Midwest. Are you traveling with the uh, hockey team as well, or are you just doing football right now? No, I have not been with the hockey team, thankfully, because they just took a beating last night in St. Cloud. Uh, Yeah, so... So, you know, I, I grew up in kind of the Dayton area, so I went to some Miami sporting events um, growing up, you know, some football games, some hockey games. What do you think is kind of the students' like favorite athletic department activity at the moment? I mean, thinking about over the last 10 years or so, uh, I've heard tons of stories about back when the hockey team was good in 2010, they 
were within a minute of winning the national championships. Back around then, there would be lines, you know, the night before, the day before a game uh, for people lining up to get into the arena. It's obviously not like that anymore, considering they haven't had a winning season since 2015. But I would say hockey, when they're good, people will show up. And even when they're bad, people will show up. It's got to be hockey. On the uh, on the football side, you know, let's start with Miami's win over Ohio last weekend. Obviously, not a lot of people expected them to be in that game, let alone win it by multiple touchdowns. What was your assessment of the Red Hawks' performance in the Battle of the Bricks? Yeah, so basically the defense, they allowed 10 points on the first two drives of the game, uh, two Ohio drives of the game. And after that, they forced, I believe it was six straight punts, uh, a turnover on downs, and then another punt. So the defense really buckled down. And basically the Red Hawks were able to get their rush offense going. Obviously pretty tough playing their first game without starter Brett Gabbert, star quarterback. He was up there to win the MAC Player of the Year, but Avion Smith was efficient when given the chance to throw the ball, seven for 11. And Rashad Amos, the South Carolina transfer running back, he's a bruiser, six foot two, 230 pounds. He went for 166 yards. So just really nice complimentary football there for the Red Hawks. You mentioned Avion Smith, the redshirt sophomore, who's uh, also from, I believe, the, the Columbia, South Carolina area. Uh, he's right. got the reins of the offense here. Given you know the skills that he has, a little bit different from Brett Gabbert's skill sets uh, and obviously the experience difference there, do you think Smith is ready to take this team on a run to a division title here? I I think it remains to be seen. I mean, he he's led the team on – two massive upsets last year against Northwestern. That was a huge game. It wasn't Avion's best game. That was more of a defensive win, but Avion was still under center for that one. And then last week against the Bobcats, he also led a huge fourth quarter comeback, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter against Ball State last year to get the Red Hawks bowl eligibility in their final regular season game. He's six and four as a starter at this point. I mean, if, if the other facets of Miami's team, namely their defense, which is best in the MAC right now, I believe was best in the MAC last year, and their rush game, which was great last week, can do enough. Uh, I think Avian Smith is a guy who can get you to the MAC championship. He is certainly a little bit more of an explosive running threat than Brett Gabbert, so he brings that. Obviously, not quite as poised, not as good with his arm, but I think that if, if everything else works out right, that Avian Smith isn't going to be the reason you don't win the MAC championship, or at least don't get there. What do you think is an underappreciated aspect of this Miami team currently? One thing that I'm not sure everyone knows about is. Uh, the Red Hawks incredible special teams game often you'll see uh, like ESPN rankings of special teams efficiency Miami is usually usually number one uh, depending on the outlet but always in the top two or three Graham Nicholson after Will Reichard missed two field goals last night Graham Nicholson is uh, one of the only kickers in division one who has not yet missed and no one who hasn't missed this year has kicked as many field goals as him so he's 17 for 17 Really, really great field goal kicking from the Red Hawks. And Alec Bevelheimer, the punter, is averaging almost 50 yards per punt so far in the year. So special teams, really impressive. And then you got to go with the D-line. I mean, Miami's defensive line, just always in the backfield, always putting pressure on the quarterback. And no one can run against these Red Hawks. They pretty much make everyone one-dimensional, make them go, go at it through the air. And that Miami defensive line, they, they've done all this while also suffering some significant injuries of their own, right? Yeah, that's right. But guys like Caden Willard, who has been around for a while, but has never really had a season like this. He's got seven sacks so far this year. He's really stepped up. And uh, Brian Uwu, who was an Indiana transfer, I want to say, but he was a power five transfer for sure. And he is just really a, an impressive athlete. He's 
just bends around the edge so well, always in the backfield. And he's a really fiery leader for this team too. Uh, we know when Brett Gabbert went down, a couple guys told me that Brian Ugu, the defensive lineman, was the guy who stepped up in the locker room and got everyone kind of behind Avion, got everyone moving in the right direction. And I just really think that a couple of those guys with the the big kind of uh, block eaters in the middle, like Austin Ertl, just really make for a great defensive line. They're super well-coached unit too. And not to mention Matt Salopak standing behind them in linebacker. He, uh, he's he got the fifth most tackles in the country this year for NCAA. I mean, he's just a beast all over the field. It's crazy to watch him play. I think we're going to see him playing on Sundays, almost no doubt, at least getting a chance. Yeah, hopefully he gets that opportunity. Um, you know, when Chuck Martin took over this team in 2014, it took them a little bit of time to pick up steam, but now they're on the verge of heading to, to three straight bowl games. Obviously, they've already hit that six-win mark for the season. But in your opinion, what makes Martin such an effective coach for this program? I think that, obviously, the main thing, Chuck Martin, if you meet him, he's just the type of guy that you want to go out there and play for. Uh, and you can kind of see that in the Red Hawks recruiting. It's been top of the MAC the last few years, or at least close to the top of the MAC. This year, they have the best recruiting class in the MAC. And to be honest, I think that people really kind of underestimate what Chuck Martin has done in Miami over these last four or five years. I mean, 2019 won the MAC championship with a true freshman quarterback. 2020 obviously only played four games due to COVID. 2021, uh, the Red Hawks lost three MAC games by a total of four points. Uh, were one completed a uh, two-point conversion away from going to the MAC championship game against Kent State in the last game of the year. Didn't make that two-pointer, obviously. Last year, had a pretty good year. Uh, went five and four with their backup quarterback under center. This year, they beat Cincinnati, start off seven and one. Uh, just really, really impressive stuff from Chuck Martin. And like I said, just the type of guy you want to play for. I'll be interested to see if he's getting some He's a little bit older, but I'll be interested to see if he's getting some Power 5 interest at the end of this year or into the future. Always a possibility when G5 football coaches put together successful runs in consecutive years here, and and now Martin's got the Red Hawks in the driver's seat in the MAC East for this last month of the season. Uh, Jack, they're closing out the season with uh, matchups against Akron, Buffalo, and Ball State. Which one of those concerns you the most as far as you know jeopardizing a shot to get back to the title game? Well, if you look at the standings right now, Miami has to beat Ball or it has to beat Buffalo at home in a couple weeks. Uh, Buffalo is one game behind in the Mackey standings, but if if each team wins out other than that game and then Buffalo beats Miami, uh, they'll both be have two losses. Buffalo will hold the tiebreaker in the MAC, which is head to head record. So that Buffalo game is an absolute must win, and that's probably the one that's making me a little bit concerned too. I mean. Buffalo, just the fact that they're up there uh, having won that many games so far this year is pretty impressive. We know the MAC is the league of parity. And if if you're a team who Buffalo came in not having won a game, they've won, I believe, four MAC games now, or maybe three three MAC games, actually. Uh, really, that you can just tell that that's, that's the type of team that will play hard. They're going to show up to play every day. And being in Jaeger Stadium is really not going to intimidate them and I mean, the atmosphere in those games, in those MAC games, midweek MAC games, is not great. It's so cold. It's late at night on a weekday. People have exams the next day and stuff like that. Nobody's really at the stadium. So uh, that's probably the one that makes me most nervous. Akron, I think that Miami should be able to put them away pretty easily. And Ball State hasn't had that great of a year either. So definitely Buffalo for me. 
Jack, earlier in the show, I talked to uh, Kyle Rowland from the, the the Toledo Blade, and we talked about some of the things that you just mentioned in terms of the Mac, you know, maintaining this attractive atmosphere for fans even deep into these uh, late season games here. In, in your opinion, and I'm curious to hear your perspective on this as a current student, do you feel like Miami's athletic department is doing enough to keep students interested in, you know, the football program considering you know, the challenges that are unique to being in the Mac? I mean, there, there's only so much you can do because, like I said, a, a, a weeknight, the obvious things. It's a weeknight. Uh, people don't care that much about Miami athletics anyway. I mean, you go out to the bars here on a Saturday afternoon, you're not going to see a lot of people wearing Miami stuff. You're going to see a ton of people wearing Ohio State stuff. People are going to be crowded around the TV showing the Ohio State game. Um, I mean, the, the athletic department, they – sell beer at the games they give away i believe they give away twenty five hundred dollars to students at every game maybe even more but they give away a lot of money to students at games i really do think that they're doing the best they can do um i don't i don't know what else they could do i mean there's probably some more like creative things that they could think of and maybe get people out to the games i know last year barstool came to a game at niu a matching game and a matching game somewhere i'm sure that would get people to come out but overall, it's just it's just really kind of a a bad situation because obviously the reason they do these matching games is for the TV ratings. Don't really care as much about the student crowd, so they're they're doing the best they can, in my opinion, with with the hand they've been dealt, at least. Gotcha. So I mentioned that in a couple of weeks here, we've got the MAC championship Toledo going to look like the representative from the West division. Once again, if everything goes Miami's way, then they'll be in a rematch with a, a team that they lost to uh, prior to that Ohio rivalry, uh, that Ohio rivalry game, I should say uh, Toledo four point win for them in Oxford. Last time they played the Red Hawks. What would you want to see uh, Miami do differently if they did face off against Toledo again, you know, obviously Brett Gabbert's exclusion from the roster, not included, but right. Yeah. I mean, the thing about that Toledo game, it was, it was really a weird game, kind of a tale of two halves because Toledo went into halftime up 21-3 on the Red Hawks. In the second half, Miami's defense allowed to, or kept Toledo under 70 yards, didn't allow him a point, forced him to punt seven times. Uh, after Brett Gabbert got hurt, Avion Smith and the Red Hawk offense had four chances, four drives to try and score four points, and they weren't able to do that. Um, basically, I think that the defense just – they have kind of the playbook now and they know how they can stop that Toledo offense with Jaquan Finn, who's obviously one of the best players in the Mac. Uh, I really think that they just have to kind of go on that play playbook. They know what the game plan needs to be. And obviously tough to kind of have your backup quarterback come in, in the middle of a game, especially when he's kind of a different style player than your starter. So I think that they just, they know the game plan that will work on defense. They need to create a game plan around Avion Smith for offense. And I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. I mean, Miami really, I think that they, they were the better team in that game, especially in the second half. Overall, uh, it was a lot closer than, than people think. Jack, before I let you go, one thing that I'm just curious about with Oxford, Ohio specifically, it's, it's just one of these towns that's, it's, really nice it's really pretty it's it's just out of the way i think for a lot of people if you're kind of going between you know cincinnati and, and indy and columbus and that sort of thing but you know as someone who's a student now obviously what's something about it that 
you think is would be particularly attractive to people that are you know trying to you know get out there and see as many you know G five football towns and stadiums as they can. Oh, I mean, just really just the the game day atmosphere in Oxford. It's not really centered around the Miami games, to be completely honest. It's more centered around college football as a whole and the fact that people here love to go out to the bars and have fun on Saturdays. But it's just, it's just a, a really a great atmosphere. People are having a ton of fun. It's a beautiful little town. If you've never been here, you got to look up pictures or you got to just come and be surprised because it, it's it's something else. It's basically the quintessential college town. Um, lots of good places to eat, lots of good places to have a drink. Uh, the campus is beautiful. Just, I, I can't say enough. I, I'm very happy that I ended up here. Uh, I think that if you're a group of five fan or if you're a football fan in general, or if you just like cool stuff, you, you should come check Oxford. It'll be worth your time. Uh, Jack Schmelzinger, where can people find your uh, work on social media and online in general? Yeah. So uh, just the only place I'm really at is uh, X or formerly Twitter. I'm Jack Schmelzinger. Uh, J-A-C-K-S-C-H-M-E-L-Z-N-G-E-R. And then if you go on the Miami student, uh, miamistudent.net, you'll probably see a story that I published recently. So that's about it. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Excellent, man. Thank you so much for your time and uh, good luck with the rest of the season here. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. Great coming on. Thank you all so much for listening, checking out today's show. We'll have another one for you in uh, just a couple of days, talking about what we saw in uh, the full week 10 slate here. Most likely, we'll be joined by another guest, and uh, we'll most likely be talking about the next set of college football playoff rankings that are coming out on Tuesday. If you want to follow the show at G5FootballDaily on social media, if you want to follow me, Joe Londrigan, I'm at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore and come back every single day on uh, g5 football daily just google us you'll find us in the fan nation network we cover the entire group of five mountain west mac conference usa the Sun Belt, and the aac of course and keep you updated on the race for that new year's six bid and much much more happy football watching everybody we'll talk to you soon